Amen. If you have your Bibles for just a few moments tonight, um, I have not been able to get away from this particular passage of Scripture. And so I, I, I came in here this afternoon again, and I, I wrestle a little bit more with the Lord. And if you have a problem with it, you're probably just going to have to go talk to him about it because I'm just going to get it off of my mind and off of my heart. And I'll let, if, if it's not what you need, then you talk to him about that. James chapter 5, and I want to read, uh, I guess beginning with verse number 13, James chapter 5, verse number 13. And James writing said, Is there any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is there any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. I like the way James put that. Elijah was a man who was prone to the same kind of feelings that we have. So understand that when we talk about Elijah tonight, that he was just like you and I. He had the same kind of feelings that we wrestle with when we're dealing with situations. And the Bible said, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth fruit. Now, there is no mention here of any kind of time delay, but you and I know very well that things did not go in that quick of an order. So, for you to better understand it, let's go back to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18 and Let's pick up on the story that James is writing about. And I want us to begin with verse number 1, chapter 18. And it reads like this. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. So God gives the promise that the drought that had been on the land for three and a half years was about to be broken. Then beginning with verse number 41, the Bible said, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. 
So Ahab, or, so Ahab <clears throat> went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth, and he put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that the rain stop thee not. And everybody said, Amen. I have been drawn to this passage of Scripture because of the character of of this man, Elijah. And I have been especially drawn toward the events that took place there. And I don't even know, we'll give it a title somewhere along the way, but I want to talk to you about the kind of faith uh, that is characteristic of a man who overcomes and sees the promise fulfilled. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, you know what that Amen meant, that you're going to help me a little while. All right? Living between a promise and its fulfillment can sometimes be a very challenging ordeal. We would like to think that God gives his promise and then immediately in turn fulfills that promise. But we have learned from our own life and from the study of Scripture that that is not how God operates. That there is an incubation period and there is a time frame in which we must live between the giving of a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And it's how we live and how we conduct ourselves during that time that is so critical to whether we overcome or whether we see the promise through to fruition. I thought about Abraham, how that God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees and gave him a promise that he was going to be multiplied and how long it was before a seed was actually born into his life or brought into his life that would have even allowed such a promise to be fulfilled. How long he lingered. I don't know, but 20-something years, 30-something years from the time that he was called. And you, you know the story of Abraham's life, how that at one point uh, being perhaps a little frustrated at the way God was working and the slowness of God's work uh, to help God along because Sarah 
was not producing a child. They decided to go by way of uh, the servant. And so Hagar was brought into the picture. And all that did was just make things a little more difficult later on. Do you understand that sometimes you can set in motion things that won't really hurt you right now, but they will hurt you later on? And that's exactly what Hagar and Ishmael represented. They represented man trying to orchestrate and work out the things that God had promised. And finally, uh, when he is a hundred years of age and and Sarah is, what, 90 years of age. They finally have a child that is the child of promise. There is most often uh, a time that we've got to live through between God giving us a promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And many times that is a very frustrating period of time in our life and I think perhaps tonight some of you may be living in that twilight zone almost the 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 the, 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 that that interval between the promise and its fulfillment and I want to talk to somebody here tonight that feels like maybe uh, you've been you've been going at some things for a long time and There's been no breakthrough and maybe perhaps your flesh would would want you to question whether or not it was even God that gave you that promise or whether it was God that spoke those things. But I want to say to you that it would be better to hold on to your promise than to question whether it was a promise at all. And success is certain when God promises something, but God's promises are not always fulfilled in the time frame in which we imagine they were going to be fulfilled. There are times when the promise is long in coming into our life. And and there's something about Elijah that has to speak to us about the kind of attitude and the kind of spirit that is needed to see it through to fulfillment. And sometimes we have got to wrestle with our present situation before the answer comes. And we, we, we've got to hold on even when everything in us is wanting to let go. We have got to be as Elijah was. And when I, when I went back and I got to looking at his life and story again, there were some things about him, the characteristics of this man, that made for an overcomer, that made for a man of victory and not defeat. And we see him, he comes into our picture in a sudden way and out of nowhere he appears with the news that there will be no rain upon the earth until I say there's going to be rain and then he disappears again and and then Israel begins to live with the consequences of of that prophecy and there there's no clouds there's no rain and 
And so three and a half years have elapsed and they were in dire straits. There was a serious famine in the land. And when, if you read the, the, the full 18th chapter, you will understand just how desperate it had become that uh, Ahab was at the point of sending out emissaries to go out to the far reaches of the country to see if perchance there was one well somewhere that might have a little water so they could save their animals and at least try to survive a little longer. And, and then the word comes again that it's time for you to go show yourself to Ahab and, and tell him that it's going to rain again. And so he does. And then there's a confrontation on Carmel between the prophets of Baal and the prophets of God. And when that was settled, that's when we picked up our reading. And Elijah is now at that point of seeing this thing come to pass. And what I want you to understand tonight is the attitude that is needed when we are trying to see a promise through to fulfillment, that it is always too soon to quit. Amen. It's always too soon to quit. And what it takes, the mind, the attitude, the direction that a person points their life during times like that is so important and it may seem trivial to you, but it is not trivial to God. And all of the things that Elijah did in those few verses of Scripture that we have uh, are indicative to me of the kind of mindset and the kind of attitude that I want to have myself in dealing with the frustrations of God working out His promises in my life and bringing those things to pass and sometimes we have to wrestle through things we have to overcome things in order for us to see those promises come to pass in our life and what I want you to understand is that this man handled himself in such a way that if you and I would use him as an illustration and pattern ourselves after him, I believe that we too would see the fulfillment of our promise and the fulfillment of God's word in our life. And in desperate times when things were at their worst, when it would have been easy for him to have fallen into the trap of, uh, of, of, of being negative and not uh, not faithful in, in what he believed to come to pass. Uh, it would have been easy because he was a man just like we are. He, he wrestled with the same kind of feelings you're wrestling with tonight, whether to hold on or let go or did God mean it or did God really say that or was that just uh, me thinking that. And he went through all of those things, but he kept on, he, he held on to his faith. And the power of his faith is seen in many things that he did. And the work of faith and what it produced in his life, the, the abundance of rain that ultimately came, did not come without a certain amount of perseverance. 
What I like about Ahab or, or about Elijah is that when he turned to Ahab and he said, Ahab, it's time for you to get up, get thee up and go eat and drink for I hear the sound of abundance of rain or there is a sound of abundance of rain that he too began to move in an upward direction and he began to point himself to a place where that promise could be fulfilled and to obtain the needed relief in the time of difficulty. He took himself to the place where he would have the best opportunity of seeing that promise come to pass. And that was in the mountain and in a position and an attitude of prayer. He elevated himself. And while Elijah or or while Ahab was uh, elevating himself with food, uh, Elijah was elevating himself in prayer and He was calling out to God. I don't know what all he said, but evidently he must have been quite passionate because James recorded that he was a man of like passions as we are. And so I I have an idea that when Elijah put his head between his knees and he began to pray, it wasn't a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer. I I feel like there was some earnestness and there was some excitement and there was some uh, desperation there. And then he sends his servant to go out and, and look on the horizon and tell me what you see. And you know we read it tonight. The Bible said he came back seven times or six times and all that he could tell him was, I see nothing. I see nothing. I want to point out to you something tonight that I hope will be of help to somebody in this building. But that the, the sixth time that the servant returned with nothing to tell him, nothing that he could share with him, Elijah's response to that nothingness was simply, go again. There's something about a man who will just not let go that God, there's something about that kind of character that God loves. He loves the man or the woman that in spite of the visible evidence will not let go of the internal evidence that God has put there. And though what they see with their eyes contradicts what they hear in their spirit, they will not let go of what they hear in their spirit. And instead of him being discouraged or crushed by the repeated disappointments, his faith just simply pled more fervently with God. And more earnestly he cried out, Because he was not going to allow the circumstances of the moment to dim his eyes to the promise that God had given him. And I would like to tell somebody here tonight that that promise that God gave you concerning your family or concerning your future or concerning your destiny Though it may have been long in being fulfilled, don't you dare let go of it. 
you just send the messenger to go again until you see the fulfillment of that promise because God does not lie and God will not go back on his word. And if he gave a promise, God obligated himself to fulfill that in my life. The lack of answers to his prayers did not cause him to quit praying. They just caused him to go a little deeper in his prayer. Amen. Sometimes we don't need to quit praying. We just need to go a little deeper in our praying. Amen. Sometimes we just need to go a little deeper. We need to groan a little deeper. And I feel like that Elijah must have groaned a little longer and a little deeper and a little more earnestly with every return of the servant, with the news that there is nothing. I feel like his prayer must have gone a little deeper and a little deeper. I have always been of the opinion that revival is always a little deeper. It's always a little further. It's always a little farther along. The Bible said when Jesus came to the Garden of Gethsemane that he brought his disciples with him to a point. And then the scripture says that he went a little further. And that's where he sweat drops of blood or sweat as drops of blood. That was where in the agony of his flesh He wrestled down that human will and submitted himself to the will of God and was willing to endure the agonies of a cross. It was because he went a little further. And the reason that revival tarries many times in our life is because we have not gone that little bit further. But if we will just go a little further... It's not really that far, just a little further. We will see the fulfillment of the promise. How far is far? I don't know when you're talking to God at eternity because a day is as a thousand years with him. But you hear me tonight. If you hold on, it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Every promise that God makes is worth holding on for. And so it was for Elijah. He held on. He prayed a little deeper. He groaned a little deeper. He cried out a little louder. And he sent his servant again. The danger that often happens to you and I is that we faint before we receive our blessing. We faint before we receive our promise. And this man held on. There were three things about Elijah's conduct that was appealing to me and that stirred my mind in my imagination. There were three things about his faith and about his determination and about his attitude in that critical moment that I think you and I need to mimic and we need to uh, exemplify in our own life. The first thing that I noted about him was his confidence in God. That he came boldly before the throne of grace. 
in that time of need. He, there, there was a certain air of confidence. There was no indication of an approaching storm. There was not a cloud on the horizon when he started up the side of that mountain. There was not one indication in the air or the atmosphere that there was anything working in his behalf. And yet he trudged up that mountain confidently. I am convinced tonight that many times God is looking for a man or a woman that will go on and steadily move forward in spite of the lack of evidence of what you are looking for. That in spite of seeing what you want to see, in spite of knowing that God is doing something, that in spite of there being nothing on the horizon to encourage you, that you go on anyway, that you keep living for God anyway, you keep worshiping whether you feel Him or not, you keep praying whether you hear an answer or not, because of the confidence that you have in God keeping his word. Amen. Somehow I believe that Elijah must have remembered Cherith and he remembered Zarephath and he remembered Carmel in his mind as he prayed confidently and boldly. There's got to be that kind of confidence in our own life. God's going to keep his word. God is not a liar. He is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and will he not fulfill it? If he said it, he's going to do it. You say, well, it was a long time ago. A long time with God isn't really that long at all. What you need to do is hold on a little longer and let there be a confidence. Live in that confidence. You say, well, I didn't get my answer today. That's all right. I'm going to get up in the morning like today's going to be the day God's going to answer my prayer. And I'm going to live for him today like my prayer has already been answered. And if he answers it, great. If he doesn't, I'm going to get up the next day and I'm going to live just like that's going to be the day that God's going to answer my prayer. Somehow you and I have got to understand that that confidence goes a long way. I do not believe that if Elijah had not had some kind of confidence in God, that he would have stayed with his head between his knees that long because he was like us. And when we get no once or twice, we're ready to move on to the next best thing. But he kept his head between his knees and he kept praying because he had confidence in God. In the book of Hebrews, the writer said, Do not throw away your confidence because it has a great reward. There's something about that assurance that God is going to keep his word. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for. There's something about faith that looks beyond. And even though in the moment you live, there's no evidence of it. Because you know God said it. That's all that you need to live on is the fact that God said it. And if God said it, it's going to be so. Amen. 
Sometimes my granddaughter has more confidence in me than I have in myself, but she's pretty much of the mindset that if Poppy says it, it's going to happen. And so she lives that way. And she lives with that expectation. That's the way God wants us to live as his children, that if he said it, then you need to live and behave like he said it. We'll come around with the mully grubs and pouting and sour and down and negative and, and, and allowing. Come into the house of God with your head lifted up. You said, but God hadn't answered my prayer yet. That's all right. Come on anyway and let God see your confidence that God I just want you to know that I trust you, that if you feel like today is going to be a better day to answer that prayer than yesterday, I trust you to answer it today. But if you choose to not answer it today, I just want you to know that I still have confidence in you that you're going to answer my prayer. Amen. And keep praying. Amen. He kept praying because he had confidence that God was going to keep his word. Even when he got negative answers, he kept praying. Even when he got no answers, he kept praying. You ever get tired of praying when you don't get the response that you want? Sometimes I don't want to preach because I don't get the response that I want. (laughs) Maybe if I preached better, you'd... But anyway, that's another story. But confidence, he just kept his head between his knees and he kept calling out to God because he knew God had said it and God doesn't lie. God doesn't lie. Amen. What God has promised you, he will fulfill. He will bring it to pass. It will be done. You've got to hold on to that. Don't ever let that go. Because if you ever let your confidence go, your worship will go Your prayer will go. Your praise will go. Your joy will go. Everything is connected to that confidence. The second thing that I noted about Elijah beside his confidence was his patience. Everybody say patience. Between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise, many times there's a long period that requires a good deal of patience. And disappointed once and disappointed twice And disappointed six times, and yet he kept praying. What am I saying? I'm saying it doesn't matter how many times you feel like God's disappointed you. Just keep on praying. Amen. Keep praying. Elijah knew what God had promised, and he had the power to perform it, and so he waited. He waited. He waited to see. He waited to see what God was going to do. The third thing that I note about him is his perseverance. He kept on praying. He prayed and he prayed again. Elijah noted the rustling among the trees, but this did not set aside the necessity of his prayer. He prayed and he continued to pray. Don't let anything keep you from that prayer. I don't care what the circumstances around you are saying right now. Keep praying. I don't care what people are saying. Keep praying. I don't care what people are doing. Keep praying. Elijah went up to eat and drink. That, that, that's the attitude of a lot of people in a crisis hour. 
But my attitude is that I'm going back to prayer. I'm going to get up to a prayer closet. I'm going to get up into a prayer atmosphere. And maybe that's the secret. Maybe maybe that's something we need to think about and consider tonight. Is that he got up into a higher place. If you get up and you stay up in that higher atmosphere, it's amazing what you will come to see. Amen. One went to eat and drink and the other one went to pray. Get up. Get your eyes up. Get your faith up. Get your look up. Get your talk up. Get your prayer up. Amen. And hold on. Persevere. Patience. Keep on praying when you don't even feel like praying. Preach when you don't feel like preaching. Because the promise will be fulfilled. He aimed himself in the right direction and so must we in times of trouble when we're trying to wrestle through our own human emotions in a time of difficulty, in a time of trouble. He pointed himself to a mountain where he felt like he had the best opportunity to see God fulfill his word. That's what I want to do tonight. I want to point myself in the best direction to see God finish his work in my life. And I want to point this church in that same direction. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to get everybody moving that way. But I'm I'm going to do my best over the next few weeks to get us pointed in that direction. Get our minds focused there because God's up to something big, church. He's up to something awesome, I'm telling you. It's mind-blowing what I think God's about to do around here. And I don't want to miss it because I got tired of praying. I don't want to miss it because I got frustrated because my prayers didn't come to pass. I'm going to pray a little longer. I'm going to pray a little louder. I'm going to pray a little more earnestly. I'm going to pray a little more diligently. I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm going to climb a little higher. Amen. Somebody with me tonight? Is there anybody in this house that's got a promise that you want to see fulfilled? Amen. Just pray a little longer. Pray a little longer. He had to wrestle through some things, I'm sure, because I know what I've got to wrestle through at times. That feeling that says just give up. Let go. Throw in the towel. It's over. You're never going to make it. And you just have to keep praying until you break through that. Amen. When I first came around, Brother Kilgore, I heard words that I had not heard very often in my life. And that was breakthrough. I was raised around a church, but I didn't ever, I never heard much about a breakthrough before. And I, I don't know that I fully understood it, but I saw what he meant very soon when we would get into a prayer meeting and start praying and we would pray an hour and nothing seemed to move and we would pray another hour and nothing seemed to move and we would pray another hour and nothing seemed to move. But he kept saying, come on, there's a breakthrough here. Let's pray a little longer. We're, we're about to break through something. And in my flesh, my flesh was wanting to quit It was 3 o'clock in the morning. My flesh wanted to go home and crawl in bed and and do it again another day. 
Brother Kilgore said, come on, let's, let's press. There's a breakthrough right here. And I remember many occasions when, when we would keep persevering and we would keep praying and people would begin to filter out. By the time we got to that point of breakthrough, there wasn't a handful of people left. But oh my, what happened when that moment came is almost unexplainable. It was a little bit of heaven on earth. Amen. Because we held on. That's all God's wanting is somebody that will just hold on. In spite of everything around you that's saying give up, just hold on. I'm going to do it. You may not understand my time, but I'm going to do it. Just keep holding on. There's some unanswered prayers in this building that have been unanswered for a long time. But I do not for one moment think that God is not going to fulfill that. He is going to do it. He is going to fulfill the promises that were given to us about this building. Amen. He's going to give us the promises that he has said about our families. And I'm not in any way ready to quit. Amen. Let's stand to our feet.